You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us for Worshipology. This is a podcast for worship teams, worship leaders, and worshipers. And uh, as we kick off 2023, excited about these guests that we have that are really, I think it's 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 perfect timing because as we're setting the rhythms for our, our new year, whether it's with our teams or just for ourselves, um, this is really an opportunity to kind of hit reset. And so today I'm excited. I've got my good friend, Josh Schaefer uh, on the other line. Josh, say what's up, man. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Great to be on the podcast with you today. Oh, man. Now, I met you, gosh, it probably was like four or five years ago, if not longer, because we were doing some district events together and um, leading worship together. You kind of put these district uh, worship leaders together from, uh, I don't know, what is it, the Pennsylvania, Delaware yeah, Pennsylvania, district? Yep. yep, the Pennsylvania, Delaware district. Yeah, so was the worship lead for that. And we would bring, you know, a Curtis Parks or Clayton Brooks, some of the guys, Brad and Rebecca, who have been on the podcast already. Yeah. Um, in for some of those events to co lead worship with us for a service and then do some resourcing, uh, a workshop or a songwriting, you know, how to or something like that. So Curtis was a part of one of those. Yeah, it's probably been. Four four years ago, five years ago, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and that that's one of the things I love about you is that you're very in tune to resourcing not just your team and not just yourself, but just people uh, beyond your borders. And I mean, that's what this podcast is about. But man, I just love to hear. Just give us a snapshot of your story. How did you get involved in leading worship? And of course, now you're out in Springfield, Missouri. Before that, uh, you were in Pennsylvania leading at an incredible church up there. So just tell us a little bit of your story, Josh. I mean, how how did you get involved in worship, man? Sure. I mean, it started. I was super. Young. My dad um, would take me to choir rehearsal as a three-year-old. There was no childcare. <laughs> yep. My mom worked the evening shift, so I sat on his lap and sang the bass part two or three octaves higher um, from nice. about the age of three. So just music. <laughs> I think being surrounded by that, I just really kind of grew a love for music in the church. Um, and then I had started taking piano lessons when I was about four, and I hated it though. Like I was, I, I had a good oh, ear wow. um, just from being around, but just I hated the just practicing and sitting at the piano and there wasn't a lot of fun in that. Um, but our music mm. pastor, um, at, when I was about nine, I start, I changed piano teachers and he introduced me to chords and that just like revolutionized, you know, just gave me a love for music, a passion for music, the instant gratification almost that you get with chords, um, <laughs> yep. that, that we love to do. And then as a sixth grader, he threw me on keys too. So I played the organ and the pads at church was about 300 wow. people. So in sixth grade, I was up there and then just a slow transition. I might, he might have me play lead keys for the offering song and sing it, um, or, or whatnot. So that just those opportunities. And then my dad also did uh, pulpit supply. So if a pastor oh, was wow. on if a pastor was on vacation or their church was in transition, um, he would come in and supply would preach. But a lot of those people just had an organ and a piano or just a small band. So he's like, my son mm-hmm. plays the piano. So I would come in and I he would lead the worship as a song leader, and I would just play the piano. And then as we That's gained cool. more confidence, you know that just you know. So I was getting experience almost 
every other week, probably just playing and wow. singing in, in a different church. And, uh, just really helped again, develop a love for that. I played boom, Chuck, all those hymns, you know, boom, Chuck, boom, Chuck, you know, I've, are you <laughs> yep. washed in the blood and I'll fly away. Come and, on, know, man. So, um, cause they, again, they were older congregations usually. So like, man, he, who is this guy up there? Just cording it out. So, yep. So that's, that's, awesome. that's kind of how, how that grew. And then the typical garage band in, in middle school and high school that played some cover music and did some worship on the side. Um, and, and just, again, just kind of developed, uh, uh, skills, skills there and then fine arts mm. and into college. And, um, yeah, I just, it was around, I knew from a pretty early age that, um, music was probably going to be a part of my future. So, uh, wow. yeah, just inundated myself in it. Now, did you go to Valley Forge and study music? I did. So I went to, it was a Christian college, then Valley Forge Christian college, um, and mm-hmm. studied church music and music technology. So, um, that was, that was what my major was in. A heart of that was probably more classical training, the music theory, music mm. history. Um, yeah. uh, there wasn't quite as much, um, application to, the modern world. Um, but I toured with their traveling teams in the summers doing church camps and, uh, youth oh, wow. camps. And that's where I gained a ton of experience and great yeah. professors, great leaders there who really poured into me. Um, so I'd say most of the growth happened outside of the classroom, but it was a great foundation, um, there as well. So loved it. That's really cool. And now you find yourself in Springfield, Missouri, and you're at central. Yes, Central Assembly in Springfield, Missouri. We're right beside the national headquarters for the Assemblies of God. So it's a sweet place. That's awesome, man. Now tell me a little bit about what is your uh, what is your role out there and what's the culture of worship at your church? Because it seems like it's a church that's been around for quite some time. Yeah, I think we're over 115 years old um, as the, wow. the congregation. So it's a, it's a longstanding congregation. Yeah, so my role is the worship pastor. That's my title. And I oversee all of the worship operations. So we have a pretty large choir, about 60 to 70 voices that sings every single wow. week. Um, we actually have over 90 on the roster and we get you know, 50 or so who can travel, you know, who they're away or not on vacation, um, each week. So our events are a little larger, but there's, so there's the choir. Um, there is an orchestra, um, about a 25 piece orchestra that plays twice a month. Um, and then I oversee the worship team and in that. So I don't have any production or, um, creative. I do serve on the service planning team. Um, there's a group of us, but, um, I, I really am just on the worship side of it. And then we do have a part-time music director and a part-time admin, um, as part of our team too. So really narrow and focus, um, love that part of it, um, that I can just yeah. kind of focus and hone in on the worship side and kind of let the production guys at my last church, I had all the creative things and you're just Sunday mornings feels like a, a rodeo, you know, you're just going from one thing right, to the right. next. And, um, so this is much, much nicer to be able to put a lot of focus into that. And there's a lot more music preparation as well for it. Now, when it comes to working with, with choir and orchestra, I mean, that's such a cool opportunity. I would think to just kind of like get creative. Are you guys using, um, you know, charts and stuff that come from, um, you know, like praise charts or, or sure. CCLI as far as when it comes to the string parts and all of the orchestra or, or do you find yourself, um, as a worship pastor and as, you know, overseeing the worship department, are you creating tracks and creating parts? Um, I would imagine not every song out there has a string line or something like that. Right. So we do a little bit of hybrid of both of those things. So praise charge okay. is definitely a big resource. Um, they also sell finale files. So that helps us get the form of the song. And then, mm-hmm. uh, our part-time music director, um, he is fantastic with finale so he can orchestrate and arrange things, 
I mean, overnight almost. I mean, you tell him what you want and he puts it in there and it's blowing your expectations. So we do a wow. lot of custom arrangements um, because of that. Our pastor is huge on participation and with the choir mm. has really, we found that, that the choir has really brought that out um, of, the, of the worship time. So people that are hearing, it's almost like an heaven, a taste of heaven where the congregation is singing, you have the choir on stage singing. So it's just kind of this circular experience. So we really try to almost put the choir and the congregation as a like mix, a place in the mix, like leave space in them, leave moments where an arrangement really comes down and there's a super singable part where you hear the choir, you hear the congregation and it really just, I mean, people will say it's just like, man, I love hearing people sing. Um, I think that's something Mm. that, I mean, I've lost a lot of times in, in worship. Like you worry about how's the band sound or how does, you know, all of these pieces come together, but really the congregation is an active element of that mix as well. And I've really come to love that. Um, we have a very multi-generational church. So, um, a lot of Mm. retired pastors and missionaries, um, and people who work for evangel university or headquarters. So it's kind of a melting pot. There's over 300 credential holders in, in our church congregation. So it's kind of a church of pastors, a third of the churches, uh, pastors or a quarter of the church. Um, so it's kind of, let me me pause you there. Cause that, that, that is very unique to have a church with that many people that have either been in active ministry or they are still in active ministry. What is that? How does that translate into your times of worship? Because I think, you know, both you and I know this, like when you're in a room filled with pastors, there's just something different about the worship atmosphere uh, and and what happens in a room when you have people that are in the trenches in ministry. What does that look like for you guys there, man? Yeah, we create a lot of space for personal worship. Like I would say a part of almost every set that we do, I'll say, Hey, let's just take a moment and lift our own expression or our own words to the Lord and let them, cause I mean, there's something about singing other people's words and songs and that helps kind of get the atmosphere flowing. But when, once you get to that place where it's your own words, it just takes on a new life and, uh, just love that's, that's a huge piece of what, what we do is again, it's, you're a participant you're not just a spectator. We don't want you to sit there and watch the worship team worship. We want you to be a part of it. Um, and if you, uh, song choice is pretty big here um, because we want people to sing. We're not doing a ton of new songs, I would say. Um, we're doing newer mm. music, but it's, I mean, I, I'm i not introducing a new song every week. Or I mean, if we're introducing a new song or two a month, that's about, you know, where it sits. But lots of an older chorus tagged onto the end of a contemporary, you know, like a, um, I yeah. will bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that's within me, but Come like, on. just put that on the end or I worship you almighty God, or just the chorus Dude. of, you know, so we do a lot of that kind of thing to tie the multi-generations together. Um, and it, yeah. it really is pretty, it's, it's an awesome, unique experience that I've not had anywhere else. <laughs> so what's been, amazing cool. is I've seen that a lot more around the body of Christ at large is just, you know, throwing in an, as the deer, or I yeah. exalt thee and bringing in these these like tried and true worship choruses and I remember as a kid singing them and now here I am you know 40 years old still right. uh, leading these songs and it's so wild just how it really does unite a room that's generally generationally diverse um I mean what, 
tell, tell me about that though, as far as like, cause you just said something that really intrigued me. You said, um, choosing songs that people can sing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something that's huge because I think sometimes as, uh, you know, maybe the art artist side of us or like the, the, you know, Hey, we just want to, whatever is out there, that's a challenge or it's, it's hip and cool. And not, not to say that we have to do songs that are just like boring all the time, right. but yeah. there is something about making sure that our congregation can latch a hold of a song and make it theirs. What is your process in song selection and knowing which songs, yeah, I think our people can sing this, or maybe this one's not necessarily as singable as what we want to do on a Sunday. Sure. I mean, syncopation and melody are a huge part of, you know, what makes something singable, but then also, um, is it popular? Was it, you know, what's the CCLI rank of this? Is it, you know, even some of those kind of things play into it. Um, But Bob Sorge in his book says that the old song gathers and unites and the new song launches us forward. So we, I tend, I don't want to, I don't want to, just lock, lock into the old song because, you know, you can do a revelation song or a great I am or one of the, right. you know, I speak Jesus and know that people will sing and be into it. But if you just sit there and you're stuck, you know, you need that new song to launch you forward and create fresh vision. And you know, what's, what's mm. God doing new in us. So I really try to balance that the old song gathers and unites us, but the new song, you know, launches us forward too. Um, so that that's wow. kind of in that process of, of the way we kind of do that. But yeah, melody for sure. Um, you know, is it, what's the syncopation is it catchy if you listen to it do you sing that during the week you know um after a Mm. sunday um or is it it's just kind of lost so i want songs that you know not again not every song but there's at least one song in there that's going to unite that we can sing all week long it's going to get stuck in our head so yeah wow that's such a good perspective and i think it's a challenge for a lot of us to realize like hey listen in our congregation we've got truck drivers we've got teachers we've got doctors we've got you know young and old and i think having those songs that every single person in there can just belt out at the top of their lungs and that's what i really love about the choir thing and and you know this because just we've talked offline and whatnot but you know we're experimenting with doing like a choir sunday once a month here at destination church and uh you know our christmas uh now we're recording this pre-christmas this is going to air sometime in january but our christmas program and we've got we've got a choir excited about that what are just talk to the worship leaders out there that are either new in the choir world or maybe they're thinking about it because there is something powerful about it you said this earlier is that the choir really brings in the congregation it's almost Mm. like uh an extension of the congregation on stage and you know, the energy that a choir brings, I mean, there's just nothing like it. So, so talk for a moment just about working with choirs. What's, what's the big challenge? What's the big blessing behind it? And uh, what have you experienced in that, Josh? Sure. I think the, the, the challenge in it is probably the sound of it. Like a lot of people don't prefer Mm. a choir sound, Um, but we really leaned into their, this is like the sound of the congregation a lot. You know, they're a worship choir. Um, we do do some special music as well, but we really have leaned into, you guys are, are creating such an atmosphere in worship that it's actually more powerful to be a part of that than to for them to sit down and listen to you sing a special number, you know, that, that moves them. Um, and even yeah. the on, people, even the online mix um, is what people have said online. It feels like I'm a part of the church because I hear oh, wow. people singing with me. You know, it's not just yeah. the band there. Like you hear, this mass choir of voices and it really helps them to engage. I think even it helps our online experience. The, the positives are, I mean, you get, 
20, 30, 40, 50 extra worshipers on stage for people to look at and they see a smile or they see a hand raise or a tear in their eye and they can connect with um, as long as they're engaging. You know, we've worked really hard to, hey, put on your face what's in your heart. You know, I don't want you to be fake, you know, in any way, but put on your face what God has done in your heart Um, and go back and watch the stream. And if you can look at yourself, man, I didn't realize how I had a frown that whole service. So use the online as a um, so that's been a big, huge, a huge thing for us is trying to increase the expression, um, of the choir as well. This is super old school probably, but we found, we put them all in just a straight black, um, you know, robe most of the time, sometimes we'll wear, mm-hmm. um, but it just helps again, take away that flash of, oh, well, this person has a pastel or there's the Hawaiian shirt today or, you know, so that right, just has right. really helped <laughs> us create, again, it feels like one cohesive unit, um, just and again, you don't have to wear robes, but I think an all black or just a solid color um, just helps bring some unity there too. Um, but yeah. yeah, those have been the big wins for us. And it helps get people, even helps build our worship team. If some if someone wants to be a part of the worship team, I'll say, hey, jump on the choir for a couple weeks. Right. So I can right. see, hey, do you come to rehearsal on time? Hey, what's your facial expression? How well are you, you know, do you wear what's on your face. Like, have you had a bad day wow. and you put that on your face? So it really helps me, you know, encourage and kind of filter out some of those worship team people too. Um, so yeah, we, we love the choir. It's a huge part of our church. Um, and then we do do some highbrow type music for Christmas Eve, a special here and there, Good Friday. Um, but for the most part, it's a worship choir and we want to hear them. I think so many times today yeah. I'll, I'll watch an online service and be like, oh, there's a choir up there, but I, you wouldn't know it. You know, it's, it's just, it's just for, for looks. Look, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, we don't use a ton of stems. So if there's something on stage, there's not, the track is not in there. That's just kind of a, um, so our leadership really wants to value that quality of live music. So I don't use choir stems. I don't use electric stems. Don't use string stems if we have it, but I will throw those in if we don't, if it's vital to the song and we don't have that represented on stage. So, but, um, that's a hard part too, just to mix, you know, um, but it's just a challenge for this, the production guys. So. Man, that's so key. And and what what you said with your your, your facial expressions, that's so huge. I, I love the fact that you can really um, lean in and have almost like a um, not a vetting process, but like, hey, if you're if you're too good to join the choir, you might not have the humility to join the worship team. If that makes sure. sense. Yep. And, and that's one of those things that we found uh, during my time at National Community. We had choir at our uh, Lincoln Theater campus, and that was our first thing. Is like, hey, you need to join the choir. And and what I love about the choir, and you would know this way more than I would, but it's it's almost like it builds a community that you just can't replace it or beat it. I mean, it's like when people join a choir, they're like, yeah, I'm on the choir. And it's like this awesome community within the worship community. And it just kind of like, I don't know, pours out into the rest of the culture. And it's something so special, man. What What is that first step that somebody can take if they're wanting to start a choir in their church, whether they're a smaller church, midsize, or even huge? Yeah, I think it, uh, we use... I our worship team is a, is a big part of the choir. So that's kind of wow. those, those core singers you have, like it, I ask them and it's not mandatory, but I, Hey, can you at least serve in the choir once or twice a month just to help our culture? You know what our culture is. So help transfer that over. So I would say start with, you know, if you have six singers, like start with those six singers and 
make sure, cause you want it to be the best that your church you can offer. Um, so start with them and then make an announcement, you know, Hey, is if, has anyone sung in a choir before and, and interested in put it together for one service? Like don't make it a huge commitment. Say we're going to do two rehearsals and sing for worship. You know, we're not even going to do mm. a special song, but we're just going to just try that out and see, get, get feedback. Did people love being a part of that? I would assume they would. There's an energy, there's an excitement, there's a value they feel being a part of that. And then, all right, Hey, we're going to do that again. So build some, before you make this, Hey, we're having choir every week right, and it's right. this huge commitment. Um, <laughs> just, just, Hey, we're going to do this for Easter. Hey, we're going to do this, uh, you know, for a, a worship night in the evening, just put it together. Um, give yourself a small commitment to build some excitement and leave them wanting more. And then, all right. And then, you know, maybe do it twice a month. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say start small, just do a one-off and, uh, invite your congregation. Hey, who wants to be a part of this? You don't even have to have an, have an audition, you know? Um, wow. but still you could say, Hey, Psalm 33 says sing skillfully, play skillfully. There right, is a skill right. needed, but, um, we don't have to, somebody, somebody know. would, somebody would, uh, they, they push back and say, well, look, Psalm 96 just says, make a joyful sure, noise. Yeah, you right, know? What right. does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So. That's great advice though, because you know, it's like sometimes you get these ideas, whether it's choir or integrating a cello or trying yeah. something new with anything on stage. And you're like, well, we got it. Let's just go for it. And let's just go from zero to 60 overnight. And it's like, no, like, what if you just tried it once, yeah. you know, like give, give it a shot and see if it works. And if it works, let's do it again. So man, that's great. That's great advice. Now, you know, I have to ask you about this. Um, you have put together so many, you know, just different events on the worship side, especially within the Assemblies of God with different districts, bringing together worship leaders from different churches, from different backgrounds, different styles, and you get all the guys or girls on the same stage, and then we lead worship together. I've been a part of some of those, and it's been really special, and just I walk away every single time uh, just with a new appreciation for the church at large, the body of Christ. But what what, what is some perspectives that you've gained uh, as someone who organizes those type of events and you're bringing in people uh, with different styles and different personalities and maybe even different egos. Uh, sure. What has that been like, Josh, for you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I get out of that is when I champion someone else, um, I found such value in that. Like, you know, the song mm. that I want to sing, giving that to to someone else who, and, and just sharing that value. Like it's not the Josh show when I've come into those, like, um, trying to share wow. that load and, and make that equally, like you're not coming to serve for me. Hey, you're coming to serve the body of Christ. But I also recognize the talent and skill you have. And we want to, we want to just make this, we're all, you know, di want to disappear. Like, I don't want it to be Josh or Curtis or, you know, whoever is up there with me. We just want to, yeah. again, make that, that seamless transition from the stage to the congregation. And I think the more value and sharing and, you know, the way you put that into your communication, that definitely helps break down those egos. Cause if, if I'm singing all the songs, when you get that song, maybe the one song of the set, like you're going to go for all for it and do all the runs. And <laughs> right, try right. To this show, is my moment. You know, this is, this is the only chance I get. Um, yeah. And even share like I, I just loved I, I didn't used to be this way and it actually helped take away some of that pride by championing mm. others and like instead of coming off the stage and be like, Man, that was terrible. Like you need to do better next service. Saying focus like, hey, you Thanks for serving today, man. That le electric lead line was great right there. Here's something you could work on. Like trying to have that positive outlook has really yeah. changed that critical spirit and comparison trap that uh, I, I was in for the first few years of ministry. And by giving other people opportunities, it actually has 
I found a lot more value and fulfillment in sharing that load that way. Um, and I think it, it, it translates well too, cause they, they feel a part of the team. It's not like, Hey, I'm here as the backing band for, you know, the main artist on this thing. Like, no, we we're sharing this, mm. this load across the stage and it's really helped to break down that ego. Well, and that's the thing about worship, right? Is there's no place for ego. There's no right. room for yeah. pride. And, and I think that's one thing that you model so well. And every time I've been around you, I've just noticed that it's not about you leading. It's about worship being led. And I just think uh, humility is something that, man, all of us could use a greater lesson mm. in. And I mean, you know, working with different worship teams, worship leaders, you know, week in, week out. And, you know, this is for all of the worship leaders listening in. I mean, uh, there's a time where, yeah, you may have to lead all the songs, you know, based on skill or just where your team is at. But man, when you get the opportunity to hand songs off and champion others, I, I really love that you just mentioned that, Josh, because I think that's such a huge opportunity that we have as worship pastors and worship leaders and um, to see others um, propel in their calling and their destiny and, you know, finding those moments where you can you know, hey, maybe I need to step back on. And honestly, like some of my favorite times are just when I get to play bass or I get to play lead guitar and I'm like on the back of the stage and just seeing other people, you know, get get an opportunity to lead. And that's really where you find um, just another side of your calling, because and I was just having this conversation with one of our worship leaders and we were just talking about, you know, hey, at the end of the day, I know we love music. We love writing songs. We love, you know, everything that comes on the music side. But man, ministry is about people. Mm-hmm. Like this, yeah. this whole thing and, and, and worship is the avenue that we just get to lead people and we get to champion people and we get to bring people to the feet of Jesus. And I just think, you know, you've done that so well in those settings and I know you do it well at central. We got about five, six more minutes left. And, and I really want to ask this question because, um, I know God has been speaking to you. I just like to hear like what the Lord's doing in your life right now. And, uh, we were talking offline a little bit about that. So man, what has God been speaking to you through the Holy spirit as we approach this new year, as we, you know, try to just center ourselves in the word, in the Holy spirit, uh, following Jesus the best that we can. What do you feel like the Lord's been speaking to you, Josh? Sure. Yeah. I've, I've really been, uh, convicted recently just about the way I've even rested and Sabbathed. Um, I've always taken Friday off as a family day or Saturday, Friday, Saturday, uh, a combination of those two. Um, but I've mowed the grass or worked on the house or did errands. And I mean, there was obviously a, a longer extended period of, of prayer or devotion time as well. Um, but I was recently at a conference, um, a worship leader roundtable kind of thing. And, uh, one of the guys there was just talking about this principle of Sabbath and rest. And, um, he, it was in the old Testament, the Israelites, they didn't take the time to rest the land or, 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 or withdraw from labor and they were exiled. And scripture says that the land rested for its due time. So God wow. will get his rest. Um, no matter what, maybe you'll, you burn out and you take a season and you're away from ministry, mm. um, or whatever the case is. And that really hit me hard of, man, I need to be resting intentionally or God will get his rest. And I mean, I love ministry. I love serving. I love working hard. Um, but I also want to I'm, I'm 33 years old now. I'm thinking just sustainable. I want to be able to do this for a long time and do it well and, uh, not have to hit that moment of burnout or hit that moment of a possible moral failure or something, whatever may take the place of where you, God will, God will get his rest. Um, so really Mm. trying to be intentional, um, with the way I do that of, you know, even, I mean, I, 
I do get life from doing some of those things, but man, just rest from labor, labor and in, enjoy his creation and, and take time to have a heart of Thanksgiving and, and really trying to take those moments and just do some research, read some books. I know John Mark Comer, I've just ordered one, um, the, some of his stuff that's, that's on Sabbath and oh, rest man. and, um, yeah, just really tell me, tell me to you learn. Got, tell me, tell me you've read, uh, the ruthless Elim- elimination of hurry. I haven't. No. So oh, I've my heard goodness. best book on Sabbath I've ever read in my life. Okay. So good. I think you're right. You know, I think there's a lot of obviously stories over the last three or four years that we've seen come out and almost the common thread in all of them was that they were, they were burning out. They were going, you know, fast 24 seven, no rest, no time to recuperate, just go, go, go. And, uh, you're going to either humble yourself or be humbled. That's right. And, uh, like you just said, God will get his rest. And I honestly think, um, that if you can establish that rhythm, of what it looks like to Sabbath well, um, the other six or five days that you're working are just going to have a different energy about them, a different capacity about them. And and I love that, man, that that you've been hearing that from the Lord. I think for everybody that's listening, uh, as we approach this new year, I was just telling our team this uh, last week that I can promise you this, 2023 is not going to be any less complicated <laughs> or any less weird, or you know, it's not going to like move backwards in a direction of like, oh, it's a lot more chill. I just think as we've seen year over year, culture just gets more fast paced, things get crazier. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have to. That's right. Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean that the people of God have to follow after the ways of culture. What I think we can do is by stepping into the promises of God, by stepping into the rhythms that we see in scripture, um, we can set a precedence, man. And I think that's where you're the head, not the tail. That's where you're, you know, that's where, that's where I think, honestly, the people of God can be trendsetters instead of trend followers. And uh, man, I love that, Josh. Yeah. One other thing I think with that, yeah. One other thing with that, I, just this past year too, just that concept of being before doing. So many times we focus on Ooh, the doing, good. the doing for God and you've, you know, you're working, 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 but you're in your word or preparing a devotion or, or, but man, if you take away your job, if you take away the worship pastor title, what does that relationship with Christ look like? Do I have that relationship of just being with God when I'm not preparing for a worship set or not preparing for, you know, a devotion to lead with my team? So just again, again, with that rest and that intentional, the way we are spending our time, um, just that being, just being content and being and not focusing on that doing side too. So. Josh, anything you're working on, where can our uh, listeners find you or learn more about what you're doing out there at Central, man? Yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can check those out, Josh Joshua Schaefer. And then um, also, yeah, Central Assembly. We have a Facebook page, simply centralassembly.org. Um, there are some YouTube uh, videos of the orchestra and choir. It's a pretty unique experience, you know, just to have the, you know, a contemporary setting of worthy of it all with, you know, full orchestration and choir. And, oh. um, you know, so it's it's just, it's it's a pretty cool, pretty cool atmosphere that's unique in a lane that we are, or hopefully we're, we're wanting to write some things and custom arrangements and some mashups of maybe an old Brooklyn tab song with a contemporary Come know, on, player to it. So, um, so that, that's stuff that's coming down the pike, some vision for, uh, 2023, but yeah, just love, love being able to serve the body of Christ and, and doing it together. I think you want to, you want to engage in meaningful work together. And I think that's what I love about working in the church. Like what, everything we do just, it has meaning and has value to it. And, uh, people want to be a part of that. So it's fun. Man, Joshua, it's been a pleasure, man. And I'm going to put some links in our show notes. So be sure to check those out, connect with Josh. And uh, man, excited to see what you guys have this year. Excited to uh, see what you're going to be up to later this year. Thanks for being with us on Worshipology, man. Awesome. Thanks for the opportunity, Curtis. 
You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.